The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. JPHL Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. Oh. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Oh. Presented by 4Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey, on Silent Ice TV. Well, here we are at the Grand Fear Arena, uh, recording another segment for Game Changers after yet another win over the Black Folds Bulldogs. And... The Saints might want us to do game changers every time uh, they, they place Black Falls. But a big victory at the Grand Fury Arena on Wednesday night. A huge uh, start for the Saints. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, like you said, it was last time December 18th or something like that, right after uh, the JPHL Winter Championships. And now we're talking about the JPHL Championships. But uh, Dylan Ruptash, he gets two. He's got four down his last two games against Black Falls. Adam Lang, Carson Brezon, they each get two helpers. Ethan Kronowit, one and one, a former HSLer. Alex Shiler picks up the mm. win in net. But again, the D. Ryan Harvey, good stick, multiple times. Tristan Balmong, a shot-blocking machine. I mean, you've talked to him yeah. before in interviews, and the guy's just relentless. Took a puck, what, off the inside of his ankle? He was out there next shift. And it was funny what Tyler said on the broadcast. He said, there is zero chance Wade Sadaway, the Saints athletic therapist, is going to make it to Tristan Balmong before he gets up. And proved true. Again, he was back on the ice. Uh, but, yeah, a big win tonight. The Saints, they proved that they can fly with the big teams and black mm. folds and every team is great in this division if you play like that every night you could really compete against everybody power play really starting to click uh, number one in the alberta division of the bchl uh and yeah it was it was a fun night to be at the rink i mean i think wokey said it best that the saints had blocked more shots than black folds that put on net at one point so it was fun uh, to be here and uh, rolls right into game changers we're gonna have ryan carlson of the kootenai hockey academy on a little bit later, uh, but you mentioned it. The playoffs are here. It's going to be one of our top five stories. So let's get into our top five stories in hockey. And the number five story this week is an interesting one. Austin Matthews on pace for like 74 goals. This is an interesting situation because a lot of people are talking about should Austin Matthews win the Hart Trophy if he scores 70 plus? I go back to 1993. Timu Solani, by the way, that's the year I graduated high school. Timu Solani. 76 goals as a rookie, didn't win the Hart Trophy because Mario Lemieux had 160 points in 60 games. But I'm saying if, if Timu Solani is, as a rookie, is not winning the Hart Trophy with 76 goals, I don't think Austin Matthews <laughs> wins it this year when Kucherov might get 160 points. Where do you weigh in oh. on the 70 goal? Does it mean a Hart Trophy? Do you think, first of all, he gets the 70? And if he does, do you give him the Hart? 
Probably, yes, he does get to 70. I was in the TNT truck last Wednesday when he got to 60. Right. And it was one of the biggest moments where we're planning on how we're going to cover it. And then he did it before our game even started, so we didn't have to cover it. Uh, the studio handled it. It's interesting because you got to think goals are harder than assists, but as a minor hockey coach your whole life, you're taught to right. see them both as equals where it doesn't matter if you get an assist or a goal, it's the same on the score sheet. So I don't know. But then again, you're in the NHL. You know, it's one of the toughest things ever to score in the NHL, let alone score 70 times. Yep. So do you create a different trophy? Do you create a different category of the trophy? It's interesting. You know, we're not Leafs fans, you and I. No. I think, don't think that's a, a secret. Good for Austin. Good for uh, an Arizona kid to, you know, try get hockey back on the map down there a little bit. You know what? He probably will get to 70. But uh, let that uh, go above us and the powers that be to decide if 70 goals is the plateau for the Hart Trophy. 14 times uh, somebody has scored 70 goals. Wayne Gretzky did it four times, uh, so it tells you. But I'm, I'm saying if Solani, 76 as a rookie, doesn't win you the Hart, and Kucherov gets 160 points this year, I don't give Matthews the Hart <laughs> Trophy. Sorry, you'll get the Rocket Richard, and you know you can be nominated for the Hart. But if Kucherov outpoints what Mario Lemieux did that year in in more games, I don't think uh, Matthews gets it. If he gets seventy, it's awesome because the last time it happened was ninety three. McGillney and Solani. Okay. As long as nobody remembers Kucherov did at the All Star game. That's right. You got to yeah, take yeah. that out of the equation. Exactly. Kucherov. Uh, you know, Kucherov. Not at the All-Star game, $118 million cap jersey. Like, does the NHL, like, cringe when this guy gets in front of a mic? Like, terrific talent, but not always the best spokesperson with his, with his actions. How about this story? We talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Opeachy box set that was up for auctions, 1979, Gretzky's rookie year. Estimates, maybe 20 Gretzky rookie cards in there. It finally sells. 3.72 million, way more than I was expecting. I was yeah. thinking like a million and a half, two million, which I thought was crazy as it is, but how surprised are you at 3.72 million? Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and no way, shape or form did we see that dollar yeah. figure coming out of that. But hey, whoever made the sale is gonna take it. I mean, what would you do with three plus million bucks? I don't know if I would open, like I would be scared <laughs> to open this box. Can you imagine if you paid 3.7 million and there was only say one Gretzky rookie card and maybe the glue leaked through and it's not mm. made, like the, the, the highest selling Gretzky rookie card ever was around 3 million because it was a mint uh, number 10 graded 10. This is an old box that hasn't been opened. There's gotta be some damage in there. I would be really worried about paying almost $4 million for an unopened box of cards from 1979, even though it has that much value potentially. But like anything, I mean, if you're a collector of a specific item, whether it's a car or guitars or whatever you're doing, hockey cards in this case, you're addicted, you're paying for it, you're hoping for the best. And hey, you know what, at the end of the day, if it doesn't come to fruition or doesn't meet your expectations, you're probably gonna still do it again sure. because it's your hobby, it's your habit. And hey, you know what? I got no problem with that. I think I pulled my book out last time yeah. we were talking about it with all the hockey cards I got. I don't have a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. I maybe got a Dwayne Rolls in 2006 Stanley Cup playoff card, but, yep. but uh, that's about it. The, the guys on Edmonton Sports Talk always talk about the crack pack opening the cards. Can you imagine those guys around a <laughs> 1970s nine unopened box? Like I would be nervous opening that box because it's a lottery ticket, right? Like it's, you know, for that family that found it in the basement, 
pretty much. Are you wearing, are you wearing white gloves? Don't uh, everything. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a lab. You know, I've yeah, got full a hazmat surgery, suit. Full surgery, yeah, full everything. Suit, yeah. I don't even want to breathe on it. So, <laughs> 3.72 million. Uh, pretty incredible for that story. Uh, story number three this week: eight teams within seven points. Well, I was going into Wednesday night for the President's Trophy. I don't remember a race this good where you have, you know, the, the the Jets are up there, the Canucks are up there, the Florida Panthers, eight teams within seven points. I don't want to win it though. If I'm a team, I want to come up just short because there always seems to be that pressure on the President's Trophy top team. I don't remember the last time they won a cup, but this is the tightest race I've seen. Is there uh, a Canadian team? Would you go with the Canucks or the Jets to be one of those teams on in the top spot at the end? Probably the Canucks just because I love you so yeah. much. I know, I know that hurts you when it comes to the Jets. Okay, but... The couple ways to look at it, one, the parity of the league obviously is getting a lot better when it comes to the separation between, let's use a money ball reference, the rich teams sure. and the poor teams and the fan bases and the non-fan bases, which is a good thing, I think, overall for the league. But then in Canada, too, I mean, we've seen it now with the Rogers Sportsnet deal. Nobody cares after the second round of the playoffs anymore because no Canadian teams are playing in the playoffs. For me, it doesn't matter who wins the President's Trophy. It matters to me how many Canadian teams get into the playoffs so there's a better chance of them playing in rounds three and four and can actually compete for a Stanley Cup. Like, the country would be a party zone. It would be unbelievable if it was Canucks, Leafs in the final, or, or Jets, Canucks, or the Oilers got Anything, there, or, right? or any combination of that, even if it's a conference final. Yeah. It, it would be incredible for the country to have that. And we're filming this one on the 14-year anniversary of the Golden Goal. Speaking of yes. big goals and big hockey games in this country, you know, the President's Trophy, it's great. It's a good thing to keep on the mantle. But for me, the more Canadian teams that can get into the postseason, I think it's better for the game in this country. I can only imagine what the mood would be in Winnipeg if the Jets were to finish first and all the rumors of them maybe leaving continue. It's, it's a weird dynamic going on. You have the Jets and the, the threats, and then... Arizona can do whatever they want. Uh, it's like one brother gets grounded and the other brother can do anything they want. Yeah. Uh, and Gary Bettman is just taking a turning, not even looking at the one son that's, you know, getting into trouble all the time. So it's a, it's a weird situation right now with those two teams. You have Utah, what's going to happen there? It's really weird right now with some Canadian teams. Well, you just said it. I mean, there's so many Jets fans that are never going to let that happen. Hey, Maybe the attendance is a little bit lower this year, but that sure. happens. It's like the economy. There's ebbs and flows. There's years where the Oilers' attendance isn't top-notch. It happens. But to your point of Arizona, it, it still boggles my mind to this day. You even look at the TV crews or the other teams that have to go in there and the stuff that they deal with to put on a production or play a game. Yeah. It's not NHL level. There's so many markets across this country, and yeah, you could throw Utah into the mix, but you can't tell me that the Sask Tele Center couldn't fill up every night if there's an NHL team, and that's a small market. Mm -hmm. But like they do with the Rough Riders, hey, they support that team through and through. Could it be Quebec City? I don't want to see a second team in Toronto. We're not going to go down that road. That's where it's going to happen, unfortunately. But, if there's another Canadian yeah. team, that's probably, unfortunately, where it's going to go because it's the market size, right? As much as I want to see Quebec get a team back, the next team in Canada is probably going to be in Toronto. Yeah, but in this, uh, all on the same point, Arizona, what, what are they doing? It yeah. makes no sense. It's not to the standard of the NHL. I would rather go to the Mullet Arena and watch an Arizona Sun Devils game than yep. an NHL game any day. And, and it's just, it's ridiculous. All right, we chatted about 
uh, Matt Rempe, the, the Rempe Rampage that's going on in the NHL. You, you got to know this guy, so this must be pretty special for you to see what he's doing. Fighting, scoring, the best rookie lap ever at an outdoor <laughs> game. Well, first player ever to make his NHL debut in an outdoor game. And not one rookie lap, but like two or three rookie laps before the NHL officials got off the ice to peg the nets and they actually got him a puck. But uh, to do that at MetLife Stadium, I mean, that's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. The next guy to do that in an outdoor game for one, but to do it at MetLife Stadium, so cool. And then to open it up with a fight against Matt Martin at the 50-yard line, are you kidding me? Uh, so cool. Before the puck was even dropped after, after that goal. Uh, and then he scores a couple of nights later in Philadelphia. He gets into a bit of trouble in New Jersey. He fights again. Uh, this Saturday, he's got Ryan Reeves and the Leafs on tap. Does he go again against Revo? Not that he needs to fight every game, but right. that, that's the way it's going. And, you know, such a good kid. And he came into Spruce Grove as a 16-year-old. And even myself, I, I wasn't sold. You know, he was a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy that weighed about 140 pounds. Right. And he didn't compute how to operate his body yet. He was just growing so fast uh, vertically that he didn't know what to do. He put on the muscle in the summertime. He went to the gym, picked up by Seattle. I think that was always the game plan. And when he kind of went this way a little bit, now he's up to 240, but maybe he got to 200 at junior. He went to Seattle. He was a force. And then COVID happened and Seattle and Washington, the state was shut down and there was no chance of them playing. He came back here along with guys like Lucas Siona and Tyrell Bauer. Uh, Blake Lida was here for a bit, uh, the goaltender. And yeah, he billed it actually with our president, mm -hmm. Stephen Gertzen, along with Tyrell Bauer. We showcased that on the broadcast tonight. But the coolest thing for that, and Tyler would probably say the story better than me, but six years to the day when he lost his father to when he made his NHL debut, uh, he had two athletic sisters that both played at Brown University, uh, a mother, obviously, that supported them through and through from Calgary, and just cool how things come full circle like that. What, what are the odds, you know, uh, on, on your, your father's unfortunate death anniversary, you get to make your NHL debut outdoors at MetLife Stadium. So a pretty cool story for Matt, and I'd be hard-pressed to think he's going to be sent down. I think he's made a name for himself. I don't know if you saw the clip today, but they showed him on the Jumbotron at Madison Square Garden in warm-up, and he was stretching and doing his thing, and he just heard a roar from the faithful. He looked up, and saw it was his motion graphic on the board, and a live shot to him, and he tried to contain the smile, but he couldn't, so they love him there in New York. Well, and I think that what, what you talked about, uh, the six years to the day, now it gives that day something else that they can focus on. You're never going to forget uh, the day that you lose a parent, but... If you have something else to focus on, and, and obviously his dad would say that is the perfect day to make your debut, and he would have been right there with him. So that is a, a beautiful story. And finally, uh, the number one story for me, I'm a little biased this week, but we have the JPHL playoffs, and uh, I'll be front and center. Tyler Woke, Aiden Gannam will be out in BC as well at, at Abbotsford. And this is your chance to see the best young players at the best time of the year. And a guy like Liam Pugh, we've talked about him all year, 81 goals this year. Uh, ridiculous. Um, uh, Okanagan. We're going to preview the U18 a little bit later with uh, Ryan Carlson. Uh, but I look at the potential matchups between Lloydminster and Edmonton. Maybe a, a, a finals, a winter championship, another uh, matchup between those teams. The North Stars and U17, a juggernaut team. I get so excited about this. I mean, the first round of the NHL playoffs is so good. The first round of the JPHL playoffs. If last weekend's play-in is any indication, 
it's going to be dynamic because even going back to the final weekend, the hockey tightened up and, and you've seen it all in junior. It happens the same way. The coaching gets better. The players get better. And just an opportunity to see the best young players head to head at the best time of the year on Silent Ice TV is something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it almost makes you want to bring out the big show before the big <laughs> show because there's so many really big matchups that are happening uh, before the finals weekend. I talked to Riley Furster, Garrett Meager last night, and I try to get some insight on what they think. And the thing that really resonated with me was the parody, where maybe going into seasons past, even in the HSL, you knew probably who was going to win it. Sure. Unless they'd laid a giant egg. Right. And this year, we don't. You know, you talk about Liam Pugh in the U15 division. Sure, the North Stars are a big deal in the U17 division. U18's wide open. You know, all four divisions are really wide open. And to be able to sit there and hear coaches not be biased about their team and give credit where credit is due to the Calgary Rockies and just mm -hmm. how they game plan against their opponent and play a great trap style. And maybe they don't have the skill of HC Edmonton, right. but they do their best to outwork them and capitalize on their chances. So... For Richard Nault and Silent Ice and the entire JPHL, I think this is awesome. Yeah. It's wicked. Similar to the NHL and the President's Choice race where we have no idea who's going to win this thing. Right. And you know what? Whoever ends up being in the final for those four series, we got a heck of a show plan. We're going to showcase it the best way we can. Uh, Mark Cronowit, one of our executive directors, calls it the Little League World right. Series and what we try to do with, with our own brand. But I'm pumped, man. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be a wild three weeks. we got... Saints action, we got JPHL action, and then it all kind of comes to a, a bit of a grinding halt until next season, but it's the best time of the year. It's, it's going to be wicked. It is. Four series, U14, U15, U17, U18, all best of three. Uh, here, BC, here, BC, and then all back here for that final one. Teased it a little bit on the broadcast, but uh, the, the plans that we've already been going through, the Winter Championship was awesome. This is going to be even better because we're going to have four different series going on at Silent Ice Center. All right. This has been uh, – tonight's game was, was amazing. Last weekend, pretty impressive during the play-in weekend for the JPHL. Win, you're in. Lose, go home. Desperation was on display. Let's take a look back at the JPHL for Vengeance Media Plays of the Week, and then we will chat with Ryan Carlson. Crowd feeling is in front of the net. The big stop from Weimer as Reese Horan had that chance point blank. Now Sunderland with it. Centering to Fisher, who will make no mistake from there and bury that one. After the blue line, was kept in by Hamperin. Now they go far side. Oh, Wook Young Lee with a terrific save, sliding across. Up for grabs, loose lob going to the net, and the rebound, and Hodgett scores. Man starts out off the glass and in. Godly chasing after it. They got a man heading to that, and Lee makes a good save there. Kale Scott looks to change that. Toe drags, walks in still with it, shoots. What a goal, Kale Scott. Are you kidding me with that toe drag? And then far side shelf. Godly, Godly trying to get past Lawrence, and then he is tripped up, and this should be a penalty shot. It is! Godley, he's coming in with speed out to the left side. On the forehand, goes five hole, and he scores! Top shelf five hole, whatever, he does it all. Godley lights the lamp. But this one's turned over, and here's a chance here. In all alone, fire save by Slomko Jensen. 
with the breakaway. Solanko made one save. 47 seconds remaining on this power play. Hines in front. Oh, what a stop by Weimer. That was incredible. That is Godley sending it in front, they score! Beautiful tic-tac-toe from the Calgary Rockies. Cross Tyson, they score, and it's directionally well. Slide that one in. And it's a shorthanded chance for Godley, and Wook Young Lee stands his ground and makes the pad save. On his horse, Lassard in, Heffern reaching around Lassard. Oh, what a save by Weimer as a penalty is coming up on the play. Kale Scott, he's had plenty of JPHL goals. Back passing, what a save from Fulman. A great pass set up Fritz for the tapping, but Fulman dove back. Lynch keeps that in, bounces to Spring, and he scores! Sam Spring snipes on his former team to tie the game at one. Locked in away, top. Kale Scott. Scott, some help. He passes, he dishes, he fires, and Bohr down. What a shot. That was Cameron from the top of the circle. Fired one, Bohr. Down. Goaltender leaves. It's now a six on three. As Kootenai is now he's going to work this around here because the other penalty can't start until one ends anyway. So Johnson across. They score. Oh wow! What a shot! Power play goal. The rip job up type and Melnick. Makes it a four, one game. Now here's Drip Fisher. Wrist shot off the crossbar. It's sent out and intercepted in the neutral zone. Oh, Spring is dropped there in the neutral zone by True Jewel. And then here comes Hodgins, capitalizing on the mistake in all alone, shoots. Big save there. Here's a shot. Oh, what a save by the glove. Ryland Harder with a great glove save. Absolutely robs the Rockies from getting on the board. Still a 1-0 game. Chittick fires it through. Parmar makes the stop. He's searching for it. Rebound. Oh, what a save by Parmar with the blocker. Are you kidding me? How did that happen? Here's a chance now on the breakaway coming in. Here's Oliver Chan in, alone Chan in, and he scores! Cross to Rowan, Riossi, Fury scores! There's the hat trick, and what a beautiful setup. You can see that from our vantage point as Fury snipes for three. 
And a long shot from Mitchell, he scores! What a shot, high to the blocker's side, and it's 4-2 to two Lloyd Minster, as they now have four unanswered goals. Marshawn had the box going away, here's a pass for Evan Peter. Evan Peter in, along, on the breakaway, Peter backhand, he shoots and scores! Evan Peter, no mistake made on the backhand, and the Rockies once again within one. Cashin Smith tipped on net, big rebound given up, it's loose, somehow it's still out on the goal line and referee waving no goal. That was on the red goal line. Hall, one-on-one -on -one with the defender. Hall steps around, backhand, great save. Rebound given up, McDonald's robbed. Gill sitting down, somehow gets to it, and McDonald absolutely denied there by the island goaltender. Gets it up high again. And West sends it across, they score! I am DeGroot, the second of the game on the power play. And Marcus DeGroot, two, Calgary nothing so far. Four on three power play here for LHA. Here's Liam Pugh, he's looking for number 80 on the season. Liam Pugh drops it back for Sharma. Sharma. For Pugh, he'll walk, he'll shoot, he scores! Number 80 for Liam Pugh, unbelievable! It's six to one, another power play goal for Langley. Now it's back to Bartolotto, back to Veery. Across to Rowan, in front, and the surgeon tips it home! Jack Brokhausen with a beautiful power play goal, and it's two nothing for the island. There's a big hit on the far side by Diflamuri throwing his body around. Rashley gets it back to Barkley. Down to Fisher who centers to Scott who taps that one in and they're both one point close. Rishot scores! Dobson makes it 2-1 Rockies here in the second period. Kale Scott surveys. Sauce pass to Fisher and he'll one time that one home. They both collect another point each and Scott only two points behind the U14 scoring title. And a bad pass Aaron. Here comes Hodges in all alone. Backhand he scores short. And it, it is three, two, Hodges. Rips at the blue line, walks in, forehand, backhand, buries. Stripped, and here's Blackmore cutting to the net. He goes to the backhand, and a big save from O'Gorman, stretching across, and he got the blocker on that one. The plate will stuff that one, and what a save there. Here comes 
Trip Fisher in it on a breakaway, short-handed backhand. What a save by O'Gorman, that one. Just about sneaked through, but reaches back and that one off the line. Pass to Frazier, bounces over his stick, and it's a three on O for the Rockies. Here they come, they shoot, they score, it's over. Hadford ends it. And the Rockies end their regular season with an overtime victory. They'll head into the playoffs with a little momentum against this very Lloyd Minster team. Very pleased to welcome to the program the head coach of Kootenai Hockey Academy. Uh, I, I told them, I said, you guys are the team I did not want to face into the uh, playoff round. And, and you proved me right, Ryan, as you guys picked off a uh, victory against Lethbridge. Couldn't get the full job done, but uh, full marks to you guys for sure. And obviously, uh, the, the season is ended now, but I thought it would be a good chance to catch up, see what it was like for you. And I guess, first of all, let's talk a little bit about your hockey background, um, you know, where you grew up and and some of the places that you played yeah yeah i mean i guess the uh, only way to start that is kind of the roots and uh i grew up in hermitown minnesota was able to uh play for uh hermitown high school and uh had two opportunities to play in the uh, state hockey tournament which actually is going to be happening uh the first week of march here so that's uh, kind of an exciting uh thing for myself no matter what or, or where i am in the world uh you know and after that uh Got to play up in Steinbeck, Manitoba with uh, head coach Paul Dick there. He's uh, created quite, quite a dynasty over there. Um, you know, went back down south of the border, played uh, a year and a half with uh, the University of Wisconsin-Superior, close to my home. Uh, and then I transferred back up north uh, of the border in Winnipeg, Manitoba, played a few years with the University of Manitoba. And then, uh, you know, after that all ended, I, I did get a, a little bit of a glimpse in the uh, ECHL. Uh, a few games here with uh, Norfolk Admirals and a game with uh, the Reading Royals. And, you know, it uh, was quite eye-opening to see how uh, different uh, organizations are ran. Uh, you know, even I was I was only there for a little bit, but again, just seeing how different organizations are ran is was quite eye-opening and a good learning experience. Yeah, no kidding. And, and a taste of that uh, pro hockey life uh, to see, you know, just, you, you always want to give yourself a shot, right? And say, hey, at least I, I gave myself a shot. And, you know, it's a, an experience that you want to always look back on. Just like, as you said, the the state championship. I grew up in Brandon, Manitoba, so I know all about the high school hockey scene. And we would go down to play high school hockey and be like, why are these cheerleaders out on the ice? I mean, it is such a big, amazing deal. I, I really would love to see the JPHL get to that kind of like big pep rally sort of uh, uh, thing, but th that is a an experience. I mean, going to an NCAA sport, any sport, is an experience. Going to a high school hockey game, I'll say in North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, any of those areas, is also an experience to put on a bucket list. I think. Yeah, for sure. And I was telling one of my players today that you know it's just different in general. You know, I, I played with the same players since I was four years old until I was seventeen, right? So, you know, thirteen years together, you, you really grow together you learn together you compete together uh you know sometimes our practices ended up a little more uh, aggressive than maybe some coaches would like but you know that's what uh helps us be so successful where i come from and uh again yeah the state hockey tournament is, is one of a kind thing and uh if you can experience it definitely go down to the xl energy center it's uh it's a one-of-a-kind experience 
Yeah, and if you if you can't get there, just like uh, with the JPHL, you can watch it on Silent Ice TV, and uh, those games are obviously broadcast somewhere. You'll be able to find it because that is yeah. big business. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, so, uh, kind of a glimpse into your past. Now, let's uh, take a look at what your first impressions of independent hockey was in the JPHL, and and what did you see that was maybe different than some of the other systems and and leagues and affiliations that you were in. Yeah, no, I, uh, the JPHL did a great job with their independent, uh, independent hockey side of things. Uh, I think it just opens up so many doors for these kids. You know, a lot of, a lot of people may think it closes doors for them, but I think it opens up the doors, uh, you know, now with the BCHL being independent, you know, and the uh, few AJHL teams that have now become independent. Again, it just opens up more and more doors for these kids. And, and when it comes to the affiliation side of things, uh, you know, we're the only team uh, in, in our hub. Uh, right? We only have a U18 team and just being able to pull up, pull up players, uh, all the U17 coaches that I was able to talk to helped us out greatly. Uh, we appreciated seeing those players come up, jump in and, and just do such a great job in our lineup, running our systems. Um, you know, and I find that I think our, our group did a really good job, you know, welcome, welcoming them with open arms every single time they came and, and just making them feel like a part of our team. And just this past weekend, Jacob Fleming and, and A.J. Ralph from H.C. Edmonton uh, didn't look out of place and stepped right in. And, and I was saying on the broadcast, you never know what uh, a little affiliation might be like. Hey, I really like this organization or it clicks with the player. And we know it's borderless hockey. You're free to join other organizations as Sam Spring joined you guys uh, this year. And we'll get to a lot more of that. But I, I thought that was really neat uh, that you guys uh, picked up different players along the way and gave them an experience that uh, they don't get on on some of those other organizations. And I also thought uh, you guys had tremendous improvement. I mean, I, I mentioned it to you uh, just in the series against Lloyd Minster. The games were lopsided, then there was an overtime loss, then you beat them, and you almost beat them again. So when you look at the overall improvements, um, not even looking at the, the record, because I don't think it's that important at this age anyway, what did you see as improvements for the Hockey Academy in Kootenai? It was, it was great. Our, our development, uh, you know, I, if you ask me, it starts with the hard work and the dedication of these kids coming in every single day. Um, they come in ready to work and they kind of know my expectations when it comes to practices, especially. And again, I think that's where it all starts. Uh, but, you know, and even looking into the games, obviously the record isn't where we wanted it to be. Right. But, um, you know, my quote of, uh, you know, it's a lonely loss if you don't learn from it type thing. Uh, again, that's something that I was preaching to these kids. Uh, obviously, stats is one thing, but we were just looking to, to learn from what we do every single day and try and become better every single day. And, and uh, you know, trying to play the right brand of hockey that we were looking for towards, you know, February and March. And if you ask me, I like to think we, we found our game. We found what we wanted to do. Uh, and that helped us uh, through those plans. And then this weekend, we're, you know, we're looking at some of the, the footage here of your game against Lethbridge and, uh, you know, how proud of you are your players for your players for what they were able to do. And you went into that final game, obviously missing a guy in Sam Spring, and that's a, a big loss for this team. He scored a big goal in this game, but to be able to win this game and the way you did it, you know, what was that feeling like afterwards in the locker room? It was, it was great. You know, I mean, 
we've built a lot of characters throughout the year. Um, most of our wins uh, were come from behind wins as well. So, um, you know, just the character is the most important thing when it comes to what I'm looking for with our team. Um, you know, I, I kind of look at Ryan Donald and the head coach of the Cranbrook Bucks and what he's looking for in players. And we're able to have one-on-one -on -one meetings a lot. And, and he talks about the character. And, and again, I, I think that's kind of what, has helped me uh, kind of go as far as I went through hockey. Uh, obviously not as high as some players, but, you know, I did get to experience some pretty cool things. And uh, if you look at my stats, I was, I was never the highest point guy or, or anything. I just, I would like to think I had the character and I never wanted to lose. And that's kind of the things I'm trying to instill with our players. And I, you know, again, it helped us out uh, in the plans. I, I thought, uh, you know, players stepped up um, at different times for you. You know, the first time I saw you guys, obviously a guy like Danik Reeves stands out because uh, he carries the puck so well and, and stick handles. But um, there were so many different players. Uh, Vivan Sood, I thought, just got better and more confident as, as the year went on on the back end. Not a guy that put up a, a massive amount of points, but still made some really important plays, blocking shots, physical, defensive play. Who are some of the uh, players that, that you watched really improve over the season uh it's uh it's hard to name one player uh really because our, our whole team just leaps and bounds better than you know our first game and that's kind of the way we look at it is is you know i see them every day and maybe it's harder for me to see the development and obviously when we were losing as much as we lost unfortunately but you know again we look at how we performed from game one to the end end of the year uh and there was you know leaps and bounds of, of development throughout our entire program. And you mentioned Vivon Sud is one of our top PK guys in the sense that he, he likes, he likes block, blocking shots. You know, <laughs> he's, he's a lot like our assistant coach, Quade Anderson in that. And, and he, he did a great job with our defensemen and learning how to do those types of things, being hard to play against, you know, and, and our forwards, uh, you know, Bryce Birmingham, a, a smaller 08 player, but you know, he, he probably played like the biggest player out there. Um, you know, the, the Louis Pastupa is a hardworking, yeah. hardworking guy, no matter what, you know, um, it, it's hard to, again, to name one player in, in general, but you know, the Nick Volpats, the, the Curtis Cots, the, you know, ev everyone, you know, the Denon Melnick, he had a huge mm -hmm. goal with us at Lethbridge, right? I, every single player produced, uh, in ways that I couldn't never really imagine. And, and again, produced and developed. So, uh, all, all throughout our board, a lot of development. Yeah, I, I was so impressed. And, you know, I'm a, a goaltender as a kid, so I'm always uh, interested in the goaltenders. And, you know, uh, stats-wise and, and play-wise, I think you actually had a tough decision deciding on which goaltender to go with because both of them were so good in, in Jackson Lowen and, and Dane DeMarkey. Uh You went with the older guy, which I think was great. And here's a guy that also had some affiliation uh, with the Bucks and, and a few other players. But uh, Jackson Lowen, a guy that you probably, you know, met, baby back in Steinbach, I'm guessing, uh, had his family out here at different times. And I know that was big for him. I got a chance to talk to his dad a couple of times. And I, I thought your goaltending was, you know, a key for you. A lot like Lethbridge last year, you weren't in the league, but Ryan DeCook, you know, barreled them into the, the final four. And I thought your goaltending was really key for you. No, yeah, I mean, goaltending, if you ask me, is definitely one of the most important players of your team. Uh, and, and you're right, you know, Dane, had such a great game out in Calgary against Lloyd Minister and kept them the one goal. And, and he, he made it very challenging uh, to make the decision to go with Jackson. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I told him his time will come. You're right with the older guy. I, I thought 
Uh, you know, it's only right in that sense to allow Jackson to try and uh, take the reins and go with it. Uh, I also thought it was important for his improvement and his development for the next year. You know, he's going to have to learn how to play back-to-back -back games. Uh, you know, obviously he's looking to play in the BCHL next year. He was able to have one call-up game against Merritt and, and did a great job. Um, but both of our goalies, every single time they were in net, they gave us a chance to win. Uh, sometimes the score didn't maybe show that, um, but, you know, we, we didn't play in front of him sometimes. And then the a few other players got a, their chance in the BCHL as well. Um, just, you know, what was that like for them to just go and see, hey, this is how fast it is. This is how I'm the level I'm going to have to get to if I want to be able to do that. So neat for your players to be able to do that uh, in independent hockey. And, you know, what was it like for your organization to watch that uh, affiliation call up? No, it was great. You know, uh, Red Steel and Danik Reeves were the other affiliates that we had with the Cranbrook Bucks this past season. Um, you know, Rhett uh, didn't get any games, unfortunately, but even those practices that he's able to go up and practice with the Bryce Sucros, the, you know, Malachi Frays, right? The A lot of players that, you know, you mentioned the speed. The speed is one thing, but it's also the little things of communication. You know, they're, they're little detail habits that make them get to the next level is, is the, hopefully the things you're looking at to, you know, make sure they see in those practices. And obviously Danik Reeves was able to get a few games in with the Bucks, And uh, I think it's also important for them to realize maybe what kind of role they need to be able to play to get to the next level too, right? You mentioned Danik Reeves is a guy that's able to skate with the puck in this league, but that's going to be a bit different in the BCHL. And, you know, now he's seen that in the few games he was able to play and um, maybe buy into a bit of a different role to, to allow him to be successful at the next level. Yeah, for sure. Not every guy that scores here is going to be able to score here. So it is a really, uh, really good, just an eye opener for them to say, hey, this is what I got to put into my game to get to the next level. I have this, but I need this to make it a complete package. And and I guess, you know, the, the season just ended, but, but all season you're building for even for the next year. You want to have as good a season, but as, a, as an academy, you're constantly recruiting. Uh, you're already excited and looking ahead to next year and, and have... Uh, you know the feelers out to, to build this academy yeah no it's uh it's it's an exciting time of year as a coach if you ask me um because you're right it, it's unfortunately the end of our season but you know now we're building towards the next season and you know again more than anything the thing that we look for here at Kootenai Hockey Academy is the character and you know some some people give me calls asking uh you know what kind of players I'm looking for and my number one answer is character uh, you know, some guys are, are potentially looking for a goal scorer or a good skater or this and that. But, you know, I, I would like to think character is one of the harder things to teach to, uh, to players, um, you know, and, and I'd like to think I could hopefully teach them the skills that will help them be successful. But, uh, yeah, I know it's a super exciting time of year. Um, obviously, scouting is, is a big thing. And now that with the, the video evidence, as uh, you're showing some clips of our season, uh, it's super easy to be able to scout some players. But there's nothing as in-person scouting. Uh, so that's uh, definitely on my uh, schedule here for the next uh, month or so. All right. Well, this weekend uh, we will get things going in the uh, in the playoffs in the JPHL. So I thought, who better than a guy who coached against these teams in the U18 to give us a little perspective? I'm not going to ask you for, to pick winners in any of this, but maybe we'll just talk about you know what you would expect as the the style of play between the two teams. And uh, we'll start in Alberta and in Lloyd Minster and HC Edmonton. And obviously, you you know a lot about Lloyd Minster because you've just faced them, you beat them as well recently, uh, and you also faced 
raised HC Edmonton. So what do you expect? I, I honestly, I thought Lloyd Minster was was really creating, and I think Ambrose did too. He said before that game on Sunday or on Saturday that he had some complacent players, and I think when you guys scored early, it really woke them up. And I wonder if Lloyd Minster can carry that momentum in against Edmonton. What do you expect uh, in this three game series? It's going to be really interesting, you know. Um, only a three-game series. You just mentioned that. Uh, so if you ask me, game one is is super important. Uh, and, you know, I talked to Ambrose a little bit as well. And and uh, in playoff hockey, especially a three-game series, your goaltender is going to be a really important key uh, to, to having that success. And, you know, I would like to think that their goalie had a pretty good game, pretty solid game against us. Uh, we got 33 shots and three goals. So uh, hopefully he can just kind of keep that rolling. But, um, you know, when it comes to the Alberta division, it's it's going to be who can get to the net, you know, who can keep their game simple, who can buy into their game plans the best, you know, who can shut down their top guys and, and potentially who's going to be, you know, the underdog guy that might not have a lot of points that gets a goal or, or maybe the game winning assist. Right. So, you know, those are the kind of the uh, the things you don't think about, but those are going to be uh, the make or break it's uh, when it comes to playoff hockey. You know, and, and a lot of people look at HC Edmonton and think, wow, this big skilled juggernaut team, and, and don't get me wrong, they are, but Sean Bell will tell you they're at their best when they are playing simple hockey and, and you know, they don't have the Ben Henshaw from last year that can just take the game over. So they're a little bit more by committee. And, and you can say the same thing about the Titans. There's no Antonio Martirana. There's no Samuel Charco this year. They're a lot more by committee and they'll face the Calgary Rockies. Now, if I was picking one team to upset in a series, it would probably be the Rockies. They just have a lot of dynamics and they put it together at different times this year. And if they can put it together again, they could be an upset special in, in the playoffs. What do you expect between the Titans and the Rockies? Uh, do these teams play different styles? Yeah, they play, they play pretty different styles of game. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the off weekend kind of did to HC Edmonton and the Titans, but you know, the Titans, uh, they have some really good goalies. So that's going to be one thing that Calgary really needs to try and do is, is get to the net, um, have a lot of shots in that. But, you know, that's something that they're kind of known for, if you ask me from the last few games that we played them, is is they keep their game pretty simple too, just like HC Edmonton. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't even call it very much of an upset. Um, those are both very good teams. It's going to be a good series. I, I probably expect that game, uh, sorry, that series to go three games. Yeah, for sure. All right, out in uh, BC, your expansion cousins, uh, Coquitlam, will take on uh, Island HC. Um, you know, Coquitlam is going in much like you guys probably saying, hey, we have nothing to lose. We're the underdog. That can be a powerful thing to get the guys together, can it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... You always learn from your losses, right? And, and, you know, if you don't learn from your losses, unfortunately, that's that's definitely not what you're looking for as a coach. But, um, yeah, I mean, anything can happen in playoff hockey. Again, especially in only a three-game series, if you have a hot goalie, that can bring you places for sure. And, you know, they, they have some pretty well – sorry, some pretty well-rounded scoring. So it's not like they just need to shut down one guy or another. You know, that you got to play solid every single time you step out on that ice. 
Yeah, and Coquitlam uh, against Island, they have some game breakers too. So the Island are going to have to be careful. Uh, the one, this is an interesting series. Okanagan finishes number two, but they won the Winter Championship, so they have home ice uh, throughout the playoffs. They'll have it anyway against Langley. But these are both teams that can get streaky, especially Okanagan. I've found them really streaky, and when they're on, they're almost unbeatable. So a two versus three is always almost a pick'em series. It certainly is in this one. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, it's it's going to be interesting to see how their coaches handle, like you mentioned, potentially their kind of streakiness. But each time they played us, they always put up a really good game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching that series again. You mentioned the two and three series. Uh, it's it's kind of a pick them. Uh, again, I think this is going to be another series that could easily go three games. And, you know, um, as I mentioned before, it's probably going to be which goalie gets hot. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be who shuts down their top guy, but who potentially is the one guy that's able to jump in, you know, on the lower end of their uh, point, uh, point pole and who's going to get that extra goal or that extra assist that maybe not normally is that guy. All right, let's wrap up with this. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, but this was one of the best quotes I have ever heard, and, and it came from you. So I want to know where it came from, but a loss is only a loss if you don't learn from it. You told me that earlier this year, and I, I was blown away. I never thought about it that way in all my years uh, of playing hockey. And, and then when I thought about it, I thought, hey, I can implement that into everything in my life. If I have a bad broadcast, I can learn from it. If I have a bad day, I can learn from it. Uh, it really was uh, quite quite profound. Um, it, it, is that something that you thought of? Somebody told you? Um, you've lived by your whole life. Where did that come from? Well, I appreciate that, Dean. Uh, maybe a bit of a philosopher in me, I guess. I don't know. Uh, no, I've never heard. I don't know if I've ever heard that from anyone else. I don't know if I've ever read that. Uh, it, you know, I'm sure a lot of people say something of that nature, especially coaches. But yeah, I, I truly believe in that one, especially, you know, kind of the rocky start to our season. Uh, you know, I, I kept preaching that, you know, a loss is only a loss if we don't learn from this, guys, right? We got to keep learning. Um, you know, it really demoralized our players when we kept losing, but, you know, we did whatever we could to learn from those things, you know, and, and as a coaching staff as well, as we try to find the positives in, in each loss, unfortunately, too, because that's, that's what you have to do in a long hockey season. But yeah, no, no. Uh, Never heard that one before. Um, you know, maybe I'm stealing it from someone else. Who knows? Uh, but I appreciate that. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, it was it was great. I, I really did. And listen, I appreciated uh, your team. They're, they were very respectful. Um, I, I just had a blast covering you guys. You were a hardworking team. I had a lot of fun. Uh, the interviews were all great. So, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for making the year covering you guys so much fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see what you do on the ice next year. Thanks for joining us on Game Changers. Thanks so much for having me, Dean. I appreciate it. chat with Ryan Carlson. The JPHL playoffs kick off this weekend. U14, U15, U17, U18, the Silent Ice Center in Nisku and the Summit Center in Abbotsford and all of it of course right on Silent Ice TV. And just to build up to the championships where we got 
lots of action planned. I got to count in my head now. One, two, three, mm -hmm. four, five, six, seven, eight cameras, maybe nine. Uh, audio everywhere. Uh, Braden Kleiss, one of our technical directors here at Four Vengeance. Guy's a wizard. He's got six inputs now to work with on a replay machine. I forgot the penalty boxes, so maybe 11 cameras, but get a lot of looks in, get a lot of action in, and tell some really cool stories uh, for the finals. But uh, before that, we'll see who makes it there. Round one, Friday, March 1st on SilentIceTV.com. Thanks to Ryan Carlson for joining us. For Brandon Iwancheshin, I'm Dean Millard. Game Changers every Thursday right here on Silent Ice TV. Let's take a look back now at the Saints' victory over the Blackfolds Bulldogs. We'll see you next week. There's a five straight Blackfolds, a 7-2 loss on Friday to Brooks. And underway on this Wednesday from Spruce Grove by Harvey. Harvey got the return feed from Lang. He'll fire a pinball and didn't get through. Caught Willick along the way. Retrieved down low by Kirkpatrick. He'll spin, send it back door, and they score! Evan Sundar, and with a bank it home on a nice feed from Stephen Kirkpatrick. The Sundars stay hot, it's 1-0 Spruce. Uh, the Sundar show continues. Great job by Evan to drive that backdoor post. Kirkpatrick with the quick ram jam. Gonna hit Sundar somewhere. I'm not sure if he got a stick on it or it was his skate. As it was his stick and Sundar does an excellent job of getting great body position. Kept it up top, Breezon threw it middle. Kirkpatrick couldn't fire. A backhander backdoor for Ruptash and he couldn't put it home. As Brett Ross, LeDrew in to pick it up. Cornerman again helping. Adam Lang off the blue line in the corner in front. Looking for Cornerman, a backhander. They score! Miller backdoor on a beautiful feed by the 05 from Stony Plain. And the Saints are on top 2-0. Very fitting that Cornerman gets the primary apple on that Miller goal. He wins the race initially on the icing call as he beat out LeDrew in that far corner right underneath your booth, Brandon. And then it, the play just continued from there. 2-0 Saints. And they are full value for this lead. This has been the best first period I've seen this team play in months. Unbelievable start. Sundar dropped it back. Leg shot, he scores! Adam Lang rips it, short side. Back to back goals. And Spruce Grove is on top, 3-0. Looks like Ruptash got a stick on it. He'll take credit, his team leading seventh point. Play it kind of out of nowhere. Sundar carries his puck up the near side. Excellent job breaking the angle. Puck gets thrown on net by Lang and gets deflected by Dylan Ruptash, who's now up to five goals in seven games as Gabe Bratton's night is over. I'll be honest. The puck's down the ice. Dimitriad has flipped it back along. North entering just onside. He'll walk down north to his backhand, and he just put it high. Hutchinson on it. Sent down low by Blackfold. Fired in front. What a stop made by Scheibler. Off Mason as he jumped in front. Just caught that one with his left toe. Blackfalls though leading a two-on-one. Brown winning. He's going to keep it. Fire caught the outside of the post. Puck kept in up top by Johnson. Sent down low. Adam Lang. Ryan Shaw right side dot. At the top. Willick back to Shaw. Denied by Scheibler. Willick. McIntosh, cross by Shaw, waiting, firing again, Shivler the denial, McIntosh waiting, cross by Willick, he'll walk, he'll fire, he scores! Tanner Willick, his first of the season, six points.
And the Saints a couple chances to clear, unable to do so, and Black Falls cashes in. Couldn't put it home, Maxfield, a nice right pad stop. Brazon walking down, backdoor north, scores! Saints get it on the power play and they've restored their three goal lead, it's four to one. Oh, they pepper Maxfield in that 43 second stretch, four shots on goal. And then what a finish from Daniel North who deposits that backdoor pass from Brezon on the left side to the right side, North on his one time. Ryan Newman, Newman working and fires the shot, top Newton to the post and goes around back to neutral. Babbitt. 3 to go in the third period. Willick down low for Adrian, right side, picked off by Babbage. He'll walk it to the backhand, he had a hold that he just couldn't stuff at home. What a defensive. Right, push down low, rimmed around by the Bulldogs. Hunter Brown in the battle with Tanner Dawkins. Willick, a flip to the blue line held in by Brezon. Down low, Cronowit, Babbage back to Cronowit, he scores! Ethan Cronowit, his second point of the hockey game. Spurskov is on top five to one. Excellent job by Brezon to keep that puck in, but that play starts on that far wall. Dawkins makes an excellent read to pinch down on Hunter Brown, and that puck gets flipped up in the air. Brezon goes to make that pass to Krono, and he has it bounce off his stick, and Babbage gives it right back to him. Broken play, Krono at five hole on Maxfield. Five one Saints with 13. Board's gonna slow up there, toss it back to the line. Picked off though by Hunter Brown. Brown springs it up the middle. Dimitriadis in on goal. A quick shot denied by the left elbow of Alex Scheibler. The chicken wings that one aside. He's got two points tonight. Hard rim around by Adrian. Kept in by North. Down low, Ruptash. Waiting, driving the net. They score! Dylan Ruptash gets that one to bounce home. He's got his second. With the Saints second on the power play. Ruptash continues to carry the hot stick. Now up to six goals. And this one, you can see the grimace on his face. Kept it at the point by North. Goes back down low to Bulldogs 5-2. Long shot, the Bulldogs get one back. Ben Feenan from the blue line with a seeing eye shot. The beat Shiler far side, didn't see it. And Black Falls is now clawed back within three at six to three. Sundar gonna just peel back in his own zone. And that's gonna do it. As the Spruce Grove Saints snap their five game losing streak with a 6-3 win over Black Falls tonight. Dylan Ruptash with a pair. Ethan Cornowit one and one. As the Saints take down Black Falls looking ahead to this weekend against Sherwood Park. Alex Scheiveler, 26 saves on 29 shots here in tonight's hockey game. His first victory as a Spruce Grove Saint. He had a great game and the guys in front of him played very well.